What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on nightmare time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. Horror for the casually obsessed. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are continuing our Space Invaders conversation, part two. We are talking about The Thing. That's right. John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. The movie they couldn't handle back when it came out. They weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for the truth. (laughs) Are we ready for the truth? The truth is this movie's very good. Okay, well, we're ready for that truth. The truth isn't that the aliens are out there or anything, which we, in both episodes, have not talked about once. Kim, real quick, can I get a yes or no from you? Have aliens visited Earth? That's it's, the question. Okay. Not whether or not they exist. Have they visited Earth? So it's it's really complicated. I feel about aliens how I feel about ghosts. Like, I don't think they are real, but I say that as the type of person who would totally go to a seance and totally wants my tarot cards read and all I want all that weird shit. Like I'm a I'm a very fascinated skeptic. Do I want to go back to all of those alieny areas that we went to? Hell yes, I do. I love the idea of Area 51 and the Roswell incident and the lights over Phoenix because I think they say something about human nature, uh, which is why I don't believe in anything, but I love all of that pseudoscience stuff. Give me the paranormal. How do you feel? Oh, I think they're fake. But I, I like to <laughs> I like to believe that they're time travelers from the future. Is that what you actually believe, or is that no, just a th- that's just that's just a fun like if if sure if you want to entertain the idea, yeah, okay, this video's real. It's okay, so time- who who built the pyramids, John? <laughs> the Egyptians, slaves. <laughs> like that's the reality. What about Stonehenge? How did they get that post and lintel, John? Post and lentil? Post I, and lentil. Okay, this this is what we're going to close out on, because we got to get started on talking about actual movies. But <laughs> I, I just want to say that I hate the ancient aliens theory. I hate ancient aliens. You heard it here. John hates them. Yeah, because it discredits, it undermines what humans are capable of. Now, let's obviously not gloss over the fact that the pyramids, built by slaves. Nothing about that was a happy time. No one no one who built it Nobody wanted, wanted the to build it. Nobody wanted the plague. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but humans did it, and to say that it's, it's so complicated that only aliens could have done it completely discredits everybody that was smart enough to figure out how to do that. Did you know that the Romans invented indoor plumbing? It's gonna be big. <laughs> All right, back to podcastiness. No more alien talk. I mean, I guess lots of alien talk. But before we get into the thing, John, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, the 2022 Sundance Film Festival kicks off this week. I think the first day is today, the day the podcast is coming out. 
Like every year, Sundance has a midnight program. They also have a few other horror movies that are that are mingled and scattered Speckled about. around. Yeah, outside of the midnight program. But midnight is usually where you're going to find your weird movies. Sundance may not be the first film festival you think of when you think of horror, but movies like Saw and The Blair Witch Project all had their world premieres there. Rop, rop, rop. So there's always something good to find there. It's the, one of the first film festivals of the year, so it kind of sets the mood for the rest of the festival season. Uh, the two movies that I'm most looking forward to checking out this year uh, is a Spanish movie called Piggy, which looks like it's about a overweight girl who witnesses her bullies being brutally kidnapped and has to decide whether or not to call for help or make friends with the guy kidnapping her bullies. Oh. It looks great. And, uh, and the second movie is the new Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead movie called Something in the Dirt. Definitely more. That's a great title. It's a really good title. It looks like more of a sci-fi movie that stars just Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Um, so my guess is it was maybe made during the lockdown. I, you know, like the the description's fairly vague on this one. It's like some two guys who live in an apartment building together see something that like might lead to supernatural stuff. So like I'm I'm looking forward to checking it out. And, and like I'm listening. Yeah, and to be <laughs> to be fair, I'm I'm trying to go in as blind as possible. But I read the description enough just to see that it wasn't like, oh, oh, in a stunning left turn, this rom-com from your favorite <laughs> sci-fi directors is debuting at the festival. So yeah, those are those movies I'm uh, looking forward to checking out. Just keep an eye at nofspodcast.com or on the social media accounts to, to see all of the reviews and interviews that we're publishing during the festival. Speaking of Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, I have just started checking out the Archive 81 series that just landed on Netflix. Uh, They direct, what did you say, episodes three and four of the series. That's right. It's also executive produced by James Wan. Sure is. Got a bunch of names. Somebody was throwing around found footage. I was like, yes, I'm going to watch this show. Uh, I'm only two episodes in, so I, I only have just a snifter of it, just a taste. But I will say it is, as Netflix always promises, super, super addictive. I stopped watching it to record this intro, and I really want to go back to it, but I know John's got movies to watch, and I really just want to watch (laughs) Netflix. I'm really enjoying it. I think the story is super compelling. I'm not familiar with the podcast. We did listen to a bunch of fiction podcasts back when they were kind of at the height of their thing. We listened to a couple on Shudder that Shudder had exclusive of. We didn't listen to this one, so I, I don't think so. I yeah. don't know anything about this story, which is kind of exciting because I'm going into it completely blind. I was really sold on it being found footage, which I will say, if you're not a found footage fan, you'll really like this show. Oh, yeah. It uses the medium very, very sparingly. One of the characters who's kind of in a different timeline is using a camera as like her narrative device, but the show itself kind of zooms out a bit and we're very classic television show style. They do cut in and out of found footage. I'm a huge found footage nerd though, so like I would prefer for the entire sequence to be found footage and I'm I'm not so much getting my wish there, but I will say the story has me hooked. So not gonna lie, the rest of my day is probably gonna be the show. <laughs> Those are the biggest things keeping us creepy this week. If you want to hear about everything that we're watching, everything keeping us creepy uh, in between new episodes of the podcast, you can head over to The Fiend Club at nofspodcast.com slash fiend club, where we are, we've just started recording these recap episodes that we'll be putting out as frequently as possible, uh, highlighting everything that we're watching in a given week. So if you want to find out why we've been rewatching Hostel and The Human Centipede, (laughs) 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 and you you, you want more ramblings from me about Twin Peaks The Return, head over to The Fiend Club. It's waiting for you there. We'll We'll have a new episode up in a few days. And I've also been putting together these pre-shows for the podcast that you're listening to right now. I put together one for last week's episode for Alien. And of course, I put together one for this week's episode. So if you want to turn your living room into your own at-home movie theater, you can pretend that you're in a multiplex in 1982. Hit play on that pre-show, cue up your copy of the thing, sit back, and get creepy. But without further ado, we watched the thing, we're about to get into it, but first... A message from our sponsor. Have a trouble with a lever? You got
old men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside, where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can beat one of those things! The Thing from 1982 is currently sitting at an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, 57% on Metacritic, I don't know what their problem is, and 4.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. This movie was not received well when it was released. That yeah. might be the the Metacritic writing probably has the original releases. It whereas... only has reviews from 1982? <laughs> IMDb is just like horror fans going, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Yeah, well, that's definitely why it's got such a high rating on Letterboxd. I th- you, so we know that Roger Ebert didn't like it. I think he said, yeah, he was like, oh, it's cynical, and these characters are so one-dimensional. Not true. Uh, but I think Gene Siskel liked it. Hmm. Like, Gene Siskel's like, oh, yeah, I'm a sci-fi boy. I like this. My two <laughs> favorite movies, Saturday Night Fever and The Thing. <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to spring this on you because you did this for me in part one of this series. We're doing a Space Invaders double feature. This one is set on Earth, so it's a little bit different. But still, space is invaded. Man is uh, the bodies. warmest place to yeah, hide. Bodies invaded. So, John, for anybody that hasn't seen the thing before, oh. three things, non-spoilery things, yeah. that you'd say to recommend it. Is it good? Is it terrible? Talk about the thing. Three points. Okay, three good things about The Thing if you have not seen it before. One, uh, Kurt Russell and a beard, I guess. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Two, there are a ton of practical effects. They're all crazy. They're all gross. They're all weird. They're all like unlike anything you've seen before uh, or, or even after, really. And the third thing is that it's a great paranoid thriller. Ooh, paranoia is underrated. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like a whodunit, but it's more of a That's what I love, yes, most about this film is that it's a whodunit. Yeah, it's it's an Agatha Christie novel for sci-fi nerds that like blood and guts. Yes. That's the okay, that's going on letterbox. I'm writing (laughs) I'm writing that down. Number three. Agatha Christie novel for sci-fi nerds that like blood and guts. Um, just to just to spring off your point number one, mm-hmm. I read somewhere that uh, Kurt Russell spent a year growing out his hair and his beard for this for role. this movie. Yeah, a year. <laughs> a year. How long did it take him for the Christmas Chronicles? I guess it's fake. <laughs> That's right? all fake. So I was planning on saving this until a little later, but uh, Kim, I was hoping we could get like an official ranking from you on Kurt Russell's facial hair through the ages. What are our top three? And to help you. I've got a series of photos lined up right here oh for you to God. look at. Oh my God! We've got Does the eye patch count as a facial hair. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so our our first example is of course the the stubble of snake from Escape from New York, uh, coming in at number two right now on our slideshow. The thing, mm-hmm. a little frosty, a little bit of snow on that. The frosty. The, he's very pale in the thing though. Super. He's wearing, he's in the cold a lot. You know, he's got that, uh, let me in, I got this dynamite. Uh, We've, of course, got the more modern Kurt Russell beard in Bone Tomahawk. The the problem is, is like, uh... You don't like the mustache. No, I really like older Kurt Russell. <laughs> we're, okay, we're talking specifically the beard, though. Don't don't feel like it's going to be weird if you're like, ooh, hubba hubba, 65. But it's the ensemble. Like, like my favorite Kurt Russell is Death Proof Kurt Russell, but there's no facial hair in that. But it's the jacket and it's the cool. I almost, I almost put it on because he does have like a little bit more of a he's, pronounced sideburn in the got, second half. He does half. have a sideburn. In the and second he's got half, like he's that, got like, that stubble. I shaved yesterday. Yeah, because um, I've been too busy stalking girls. <laughs> I'm too busy murdering girls. Yeah. Um, let's I can go see how you Christmas Chronicles, because everybody loves the Santa. Well, we're not done yet, We're not Kim. going with that weird mustache. You though. don't like the Hateful Eight? 
that's essentially your Christmas Chronicle, but just like with a cooler mustache. Yeah, I mean, back up. You want you want just a good that's stash. Too much stash. Tombstone Kurt Russell. Tombstone much stash. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know if you've seen this. I have not seen that, but that's a good amount of facial hair. Much cleaner and he's mustache. Got the, he's got the salt and peppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mostly and, salt. Uh, and then the overgrown Christmas Chronicle Kurt Russell. Are you actually going for Santa? For Santa Daddy, yeah. You're fucking <laughs> serious. Wow, that's um, uh, But yeah, weird. if the eye patch counts, then uh, Escape from New York. Yeah, I think it looks good. Yeah. Yep, looks great. Yeah. The weird thing now is Kurt Russell in The Thing it reminds me so much of his son Wyatt now mm. that like I can't unsee it. So I don't even see Kurt Russell anymore. I just see Wyatt running around in the snow. How dare you ruin your father's career like this, Wyatt? <laughs> How dare you? So talking about old man Kurt Russell, it struck me even before we sat down to watch this that most horror movies, when you watch them, you're like, ooh, this is so scary. Like, what would I do if I was in that scenario? Like, that's the emotional response you're getting from a horror movie. Mm -hmm. I think I've only ever watched The Thing thinking to myself, man, it'd be real scary if my dad and a bunch of his friends... got into a situation like this. I've never like put myself in this scenario. It's always been like, wow, if some older guys were dealing with this, it looks like it'd be real hard. Yeah, and the thing too is there's uh the thing about the thing is there's very little strategy once we once we're faced with this, you know, shape-shifting monster slowly assimilating and eating all of us. They don't what have a can big, you do? They don't have a big meeting and make a plan like there's no like nobody poops alone. Yeah, we're all <laughs> tired and no one trusts each other. Yeah, I, so I would say that my first reaction, I would be the total doctor. I'd be running around smacking helicopters and destroying communication devices, and I'd be like, we're fucked, we're doomed. Um, and then <laughs> I would, I'll kill you all. I would probably drink myself into a stupor and run outside in my long johns and freeze to death. You, sound, you, sound, you sound like Blair, McCready, and Fuchs all mixed together. Because I don't know together. if you remember, Fuchs, they're pretty certain killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, fuck it, I'm just going to explode right now and not have to deal with it. Yeah, so I'm like part one Blair, part two. You know, I I think I would be Childs, just because Childs is the most cynical. Yeah, Childs. uh, And he's just a a badass. Keith David's the fucking man, right? He's so cool. Okay, so I think I propose this every single time that we watch this movie. And I proposed this to you last night when we watched it, that you have to announce out loud when you think... A conversion has happened. So when you think somebody's been assimilated, yes, and I've done this. I think every single time, at least personally, I, like in my head, I've done this every single time I've watched the movie. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say that I have no idea who's the thing, when they're the thing, and when they were transported. And I always forget who's been assimilated and who's yeah. not. Like when they do the blood test thing, it's a right? surprise for me every, every time. single time. I'm like. I was wrong again. I've seen this and I'm wrong. It still works. That's and like that's the genius and magic of this movie is is how paranoid you get and how suspicious you are and uncertain of all of these characters even having already seen it. And I fully think that's why it's done because there are I mean, I'm looking at you, dog trainer guy. <laughs> There's a few people where you're absolutely certain they're the thing, and even McCready himself is certain, certain enough to kill him when he when he pulls a tiny little knife on him. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out he's human and you're like, Ooh. You don't believe it. You don't believe it for one I, second. I still don't believe it. I'm like, no, he was totally the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who do you think there is there is a quick little quiet moment when the dog who has come over from a different base that some Norwegians are shooting at, which is sort of sparks the entire movie. We find out later that the dog is most definitely an alien who starts infiltrating the base and sort of body snatching people, imitating them, taking them over, multiplying essentially. We see that dog go into like a storage room. Like a nondescript. We're alone now. (laughs) There doesn't seem to be anyone around. You want to hear that song 12 times? Watch the thing with Kim. (laughs) That's how I announce when I think the thing is taking somebody over. It's the it's the (laughs) coolest little like uh, like killer theme song, right? Just a dog walking around singing Tiffany to himself. Like, he's been frozen, you know, for 100,000 years, but he's still keeping up to date on current music. Honestly, I double-dog dare you next time you watch The Thing to play that game and sing I Think We're Alone Now. Every single time you think The Thing is in a room with one other person and is going to assimilate them. Yeah, they do it a lot. You'll sing the song a lot and you'll be wrong most of the time. (laughs) 
So who do you, who do you think when that dog goes into that nondescript storage room and we just see a shadow of a person on the wall acknowledge that a dog has walked into the room and then we cut away? Well, I was totally incorrect because the entire first half of the film, having seen it before, I was fully confident that the dog trainer guy and Windows were the two that were infected straight out the gate. Yeah, Windows, the radio dude. Yeah. Because he was kind of erratic and crazy all the time, and he had a way of being like in the backs of scenes yeah. and not really actively doing anything. Like I, I was watching who was quick to flamethrow and who was like self-preserving versus destroying creatures revealed to be the thing. I assumed that anybody who was the thing would weigh the the risk of destroy to save myself, thus preserving our chances, or lay back and risk myself being revealed and both both of us getting destroyed you know what i mean because in that scenario the thing would likely burn say another part version of himself of Ooh, yeah. i don't know about that but if i it, don't know about but if that it means they won't be suspected that's more chance for them there's uh, but they literally established that even its blood if you try and attack it immediately goes into defense mode like that's like its only characteristic is defense and survival and I it's ingrained in its dna underestimating the intelligence though because the fact that they can replicate speech and memory and they retain that and they're able to trick you to the point where you could have a conversation with somebody and not mm. know, like, they don't really get into it, but I'm sure the thing could have conversations with human beings about their wives back home. Yeah, none of that happens. There's no discussion Outside about talk. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that about this movie. It's just, it immediately gets locked down. We don't need to, they already know everything know about really each other. I don't even know really what their jobs are. Like, I don't know. No, I don't no know idea. what they did. As soon as the thing is at the base, it's like, well, turn off the clock, guys. We are not working again. <laughs> yeah, it's like we've got a cook. We've got a radio guy. We've got the boss, who's basically just like the sheriff of the station. Uh, McCready's a pilot. We and got a dog man. <laughs> and the new boss. We got a dog man. Childs, I guess, is the muscle. Like, did they hire a bouncer for the, for the <laughs> science lab? Because we've got a doctor, and I guess Blair is the scientist. He's the science doctor. He's the science doctor, yeah. Speaking of you underestimating their intelligence, I think <laughs> we are skipping over one of the biggest things about this movie that I don't hear people talk about a lot is that the opening when the dog is running towards the new camp. Yes. So it's kind of crazy because this movie ends worse off than the Nor like the Americans handled the the thing worse than the Norwegians did. The, the Norwegians at the end of their showdown had a helicopter left. Okay. And humans manning it. It wasn't That's a thing true. manning it. But the fact that the thing ran to another camp as a dog, there's something so smart about that. Because I'm thinking they've awoken this creature from hundreds of thousands of years being mm -hmm. not cryogenically but frozen under the crust of the Antarctic. It wakes up. These Norwegians are the first human beings that they're encountering. So this this is the first time it's assimilated human life. We're sure that it's assimilated a ton of other things, and we see that when it becomes different creatures. It comes like spider-like things and tentacly things. Like we're assuming different alien creatures it's encountered. I don't know Hell if we yeah, ever dude. see its natural form. I think we just see distorted versions of the things it's recreated previously. Yeah, because we'll stuff see moments the, stuff in the cache. We file. see moments where there's almost human-like forms in it, and there's dog. -like like forms in it and those are all things that's pre previously replicated yeah so the fact that it comes as a dog and it immediately goes to the guy that loves dogs and it's like licking his hand and being docile and not being a crazy wild intimidating dog they're like why are they shooting this dog he's so friendly yep i think that's the most sadistic part of the movie hmm. that takes an immediate understanding of human nature and and humans that's um, true yeah i guess our our faults and our flaws is maybe our because uh, yeah, definitely how much we love dogs. <laughs> well, it also knew it was going to an American base. Like that's the one thing you can't do in America <laughs> is hurt a dog. <laughs> and kudos to this movie for just fucking murdering all the dogs. Every dog. If this is a, okay, so three bad things, guys. If you, <laughs> if you can't handle seeing dogs get killed, a few of them die in this movie. At least most of them don't look like dogs when they're murdered. That's, that's and that's that's <laughs> that's another like unofficial good thing to add onto the list. This movie is so fantastical that you never, at any moment, you never look at it as though it's real. So you can see things like dogs getting hurt. And I don't it doesn't know. I really you. didn't like when the. The dog had the wormy things coming out of it. The, when the oh, you're evil, supposed to feel a way about it, when, but you're not yeah, like when the evil dog walks into the dog pen and he's like, "I'm not a real dog, bitch." Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he's 
got all those like wormies and they reach out and they grab all the other dogs. I'm like, Ugh. I fucking love all those wormy little tentacly Ew, things that come it. off of it. Well, yeah, it squigs you out. It's supposed to. That's why I love it. It makes me go, whoa. The thing is way too wormy for me. <laughs> it's a very wormy thing. Now, I don't think I have underestimated the thing's intelligence. Clearly you have. <laughs> I, I, you know, everything's got a fault in its character. I think that its survival instinct is too strong, and that's what sort of fucks it over in a few scenarios. Okay, give me your scenarios. Where does it fuck itself over? Well, definitely in the blood test. Like, 100%. Like, if it was so smart, then it would just be like, yeah, fucking whatever, burn my blood. That's no big deal. Okay, that's a fair point. I did read, um, so we haven't read the original story, but I, I, I did read a summary of it. We do have it to read. I'm going to read it. Oh, um, of the of the the short story that it's based on. Yes. Okay. Um, where the thing, the quote-unquote thing, is telepathic. Okay. But I do not think in this adaptation it's telepathic because I don't know. Oh, you don't think it can communicate with itself as different people? I think it can do that, but I mean telepathic in terms of reading, oh, and the reading. human's mind. Oh, sorry. My yeah, so it's trying to play a game of chess where it doesn't necessarily like I don't think they know the blood test is going to work with just the copper wire I think they the thing learns when the humans learn because the thing at some point destroys all of the extra stores of blood they have because Mm -hmm. that was the plan for the original blood test but they can't do that because the thing has broken into a a fridge and destroyed the blood which is another point I don't know who was the thing and who destroyed the blood so here I've got I've got (laughs) I do have a few things that I want to run by you uh, one of them, I think, will tie back to me thinking that the thing is still super duper smart, but the other one was who who destroyed all the blood. I have no idea. I have so those those are some questions that because I have. Because there's in this only movie. one. So as of the blood test, there's only one. Oh, I don't know about that. Right? I don't think so. It's so here. It honestly, what it comes down to is who you think it takes in the basement at the very beginning of the movie. Let's assume that it takes. I've lo- I've lost his name now, but the guy who smokes a lot of pot. Who's just like rolling joints nonstop? Who is the who's the guy who we we determine is an alien during the blood test? We also know that the guy who had his head fucking fall off is the thing that happened a few scenes beforehand. At some point, he had to be alone in a room with the thing, and that's all before the blood test. I'm so confused. So the, yeah, we the only thing we definitively know is the results from the blood test. At that moment of the movie, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, once once we get to that point, the only person in the room who was the thing was that guy. Yeah, because everybody else has either, like, suicided or been flamethrowed. <laughs> so everybody in that room and Blair. Let's not and, fucking forget and Blair. that Blair is the thing. Blair. At some point. The doctor who point. freaks out and they have to imprison because he's too much of a danger to the rest of the group because he assumes they're all aliens and he'll kill them all. I mean, his he method doesn't hurt was a the... single person uh... before they lock him up. When do you think he's the thing? At some somebody goes out at some point. And I... Ooh, see that that this is where this is where you and I are going to disagree, and this is where I think that the thing is super duper smart. I think he's the thing in that moment where he's destroying all the information. Because he wants to be isolated so he can build his secret spaceship exactly. in the basement. Exactly, yeah, so he can build a tunnel, make his little tiny spaceship. The secret spaceship is very, I, I think it's underrated. It comes and goes so fast when that should have been like a, whoa, it's trying to escape moment. Yeah, well, because- I guess once you realize that there's a fucking alien with tentacles that turns into weird monsters and is imitating your friends, anything after that, not a surprise. Yeah, I'm... It's it's crazy. This thing is so great at assimilating and, and chameleoning into other things. Like I know that a helicopter isn't like a sentient being, but what if you can convert your cells into like anything you want? Why not just be a thing that flies and fly away? Well, so I don't think it's encountered. Damn, that's a really good point. So clearly, it hasn't encountered anything in another planet that can fly. That can fly. I I guess right. Hmm. I do I do like the the backdoor idea though that we can make a spaceship with car and helicopter parts. Like we have <laughs> we have the technology guys. We can make a flying saucer. It wouldn't be a spaceship though because it's an earth. It would just be a friggin' Round oh yeah, no. Plane. I think to any of his bros back <laughs> you home, call it a spaceship. I guess if an alien made it, if his buds came down and they saw what he'd made, they would look at it like it's a boxcar racer or a paper airplane. Yeah. So like that's that's the other thing I can't pin down is when Blair becomes the thing. Now I I will at least admit 
that there is still plenty of room for the idea that somebody went out to him while he's locked up in his room and assimilated him. That's what I think happened. But I don't know. I think I don't think we're giving him enough credit. I don't think we're saying I don't think we're we're appreciating how intelligent this thing I, is. I agree. Because it knows that people would leave him alone. That that is a crafty theory. There's also that weird moment. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. There's some moments in this film that I that I think that maybe something not, didn't get filmed or was cut for time or whatever for flow, where McCready and I think it's Knowles go out because McCready left the light off in his shed or whatever, and they're going to check it out. And we don't go with them, but Knowles comes back practically almost frozen, and he has slipped away from McCready because while in McCready's shed, he found... McCready's torn up clothing. Yeah, like all shredded and shit, and he was like, fuck, McCready's the thing, and so everybody suspects McCready until McCready gets crafty with some dynamite and is just like, fuck y'all, I'm (laughs) the boss of this show right now. Yep. I gotta admit, even though I'd seen the blood test and everything before, I was like, shit, is McCready the thing? They do a great job of like I was I was starting to think about that too. I was like, what if he actually is? But I don't I don't believe it because. So what's the thing's motivation there in shredding the clothes? Is it just to stir more doubt? Definitely to stir more doubt. When do you have time to do all that? Like honestly, do you think some blood just slipped out and was just like shred shred? It wasn't even a full dude. (laughs) There. I love that idea. <laughs> I like that idea a lot because there was a moment where blood hit the floor and we saw the blood move around <laughs> like it was running away that afterward you were like, well, what happened to all that blood? Like, what did the, what did the blood get up to? Flee! Now, Fuchs, who's who's like an, a really underrated character in this movie because he's like the super paranoid guy. Who Which unders- one's Fuchs? Fuchs is, uh, a, he just kind of disappears in the middle of the movie because we assume that he's killed himself. He is pals with McCready. He's the one who pulls him aside and reads him the Norwegian yeah. stuff. Like, he's translating everything. Yeah. He's also, you can see that he's starting to get, like, super paranoid and terrified. Because he's like, hey, I was thinking that we should probably prepare our own meals. Because, like, it seems like a drop of this can, like, just a cell can infect you and take you over. We should prepare our own meals. We should only eat canned food. They still never make a protocol in terms of how many per group. They, they do a lot of splitting up into twos. And I just do not agree with that. It's one of the only horror movies where when you need to isolate your characters, you still have them with somebody. I would be tethered to every single person by a rope with a bell on it. Well, at some point, McCready does that. He's he's pretty much like, everybody stays here. No one goes anywhere. We all keep an eye on each other. Yeah, but at that point, everybody could be the thing. (laughs) Yeah, and so like the thing is, Blair, the doctor who freaks out, recognizes that they don't have the wherewithal, the protocol to handle that. So it's really... Me against everybody, assuming that he's human. 
Um, Fuchs also has the same understanding. Like, oh, this is inevitable, and it's a war that we can't fight. The best thing we could all do is commit suicide uh, so it doesn't have people to take over. Which he unfortunately does off camera, and they just, like, find his crusty body in the snow. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I think that's Fuchs. And they, like, kick it and move on. I, I started to play around with the idea that, like, maybe that was a deflection where, like, the thing had sort of, like, like you were talking about sacrificing part of itself. But, like, I, I threw that out of my head because I really think that its survival instinct is too strong that it wouldn't do that. It wouldn't let a part of itself die. It may not, like, jump out to, like, take the bullet for itself from somebody else, but it's not going to actively participate in hurting itself, I don't think. Hmm. Unfortunately, that can't be disproven because in the blood test scenario, there is only one person alive that is the thing. So you don't see how another person who's the thing reacts when somebody gets, like, outed and flamethrowed. Yeah. I, I I love a movie that has a very like withholds information from you to create suspense and tension, but has a very clear understanding of who's who and and where they are and and how they fit into a mystery. Because I don't I don't doubt for a second that everybody on set knew exactly when anybody was an alien in the backstory, like in in behind the scenes. Like there had to have been a flow chart. Do like, you think so? I, I think so. Hmm, I think maybe the opposite, that, really? nobody, that nobody knew. And everybody was like, I don't know if I'm the thing right now. I don't know if I'm human right now. And I'm just going to like play shifty eyes this whole time. I mean, it's probably not a bad idea. Because but- I suspected everyone. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that's so great about it, right? You're supposed to, and you do, and you've seen it before, and you still go, I don't know about that guy. I that's don't, I, a fucking I know. testament I, to this movie, it's man. It's so bad because like, I'm almost like, I don't believe the blood test. Test him again because I am so sure, you know, Windows gets infected, but it's after the blood test, and he's just a, a victim of being too close to, what's his name, who, who failed the blood test. Oh, yeah, Windows gets his head chomped down. That's a good kill. That's a really good kill. I can't believe that the older guy who's sitting right the fuck beside him didn't go down with the ship. Like, he, I'm, I'm amazed that he made Get it out. Get me off this fucking chair. <laughs> <laughs> All of the cuts from people who passed the test being like, okay, now let me free. And then great. they get the fuck away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once once McCready's got enough people on his side that he knows aren't the thing, everybody starts backing away from everybody that they can. I'm, I don't think we're ever going to know when definitively somebody was turned versus not turned. Yeah. This isn't even the first time we've talked about this movie on the podcast. We've already done the, like the we're solving this tonight <laughs> conversation. Well, if we're going to do that, then we, we should definitely do the ending because after, after all is said and done, McCready has blown up the base and you think he's the only one left and then Childs shows back up and Childs has been missing for like 20 minutes. And uh, this is the bleak ending where they kind of share a little distrusty drink together and it's kind of like a let's just wait and see what happens. Yeah. And now see what's what's so great about that line about like let's just cuz we're both we're both too injured or hurt or weak to fight each other even if one of us even if we both realize one of us is the alien let's just wait and see what happens earlier in the movie when Kurt Russell's trying to like leave some tapes so if things go south people can can listen back and figure out what happened nobody trusts any anybody, anybody anymore we're all tired we're all just very tired but he records over that which is kind of cool it's kind of cool. But what he records over that with is, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. There's nothing else we can do right now. We're just going to wait and see. So that's how the movie ends I think he's well. trying to record over some vulnerability, which is a nice little character reveal, because we only see him being, you know, like the brave leader in the film. And you see him alone, and he has this moment where he's, you know, like if this is what they leave behind... He's re- recorded over that that moment of vulnerability. Yeah, because now he's still leaving like a like a like a guns blazing. Like, well, we're just gonna have to wait and see what happens, partner. Like, he's like, I'm prepared for it, even though I don't know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so in the end, though, if one of them is the thing, child. Uh, okay, okay. Waiting and seeing what happens isn't really a great idea because we know that the thing can go into kind of a, a cold hibernation, and so if it's left there the rescue team could just come and then get infected. That's the plan. 
That's the plan. There's even a moment where they start talking about it, about how now it knows that it doesn't, like, its chances of actually getting out to civilization aren't very good. So the best that it can hope for is to fucking hibernate again and wait for the rescue team to show up in the spring. Mm -hmm. So as long as it just doesn't get burned alive, then it's good. And that's what happens. And Kurt Russell's recognizing that that's what's going to happen, that he's going to die in the snow because he's a human being. And this guy... Childs, who's who's very clearly an imitation, it's the thing, is going to go into hibernation, and then we'll just have to wait and see what happens when the rescue team shows up. Hopefully the rescue team does a better job of you getting rid of it than Kurt Russell and his buds. You don't think Kurt Russell's going to be, like, sleepily making a plan on how he can, like, take him down? You know, like, you close your eye and I'm going to, I don't know, hit you in the head with this bottle. <laughs> I just don't think he has the resources to do it. I don't think he has the energy to do it. I think if he could, he would, but he knows that he's, he's, if he tries to fight it, best case scenario, he becomes it. Yeah. I've heard a bunch of theories as to why everybody thinks Childs is the thing. Maybe because he disappeared for 20 minutes, which is my kind of greatest, you know, point in column A, disappeared. <laughs> Several other people were turned into the thing. Probability he is likely the thing. We don't even see what happens to, to Hall or Halls, the cook, who's with them in the- in He just disappears. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a cutscene. Uh, I think it was in favor of, like, having that big finale with the, the dog- dude hybrid greatest good guy action moment too right where he's like right before an explosion goes off the good guy's got like a catchphrase like i'll be right back or gotcha suckers like kurt russell's yeah fuck you too just throw <laughs> some dynamite in its face i thought that the like dog spleen was gonna catch it in his mouth that would have been cool uh, but he just blew up but at the ending the the biggest theory I think I see online is that Childs doesn't have cold breath. Yeah, and you can really see McCready is breathing. Mm -hmm. Um, you can see that like cold. What do you even called cold air fog? Do we have a word for it in, in English? Fog. You can see your breath in the air. Yeah, what an and, and Childs way. doesn't have that at all. So I guess the thing doesn't breathe. We don't really know the the rules in terms of that, but I guess that's the case. I think that's the case. I think yeah. I think that's supposed to be our giveaway. For, and is the liquor still liquor? So, for a long time I used to think that the liquor was kerosene because they do empty out some bottles and make Molotov cocktails. I don't think that one in particular. I don't know though because when he sips it, McCready does this head shake smirk thing which I'm, I'm I think you confirms to him that it's not a human. I don't know. I I used to think that. I used to really think that. One thing right at the gate that's maybe going to throw that out is that he goes to have a sip of that bottle himself before he hears Childs behind him. And then that's when he turns around, they have a bit of a conversation, and he gives him the bottle. Hmm. So there is a bit of an arc here that I've never noticed with Kurt Russell, and it's fucking hilarious. His entire character just wants to have a sit and have a fucking drink. It's like they we interrupted him on his day off. He was just drinking scotch, playing chess. With the only girl in the entire film. That's so true. Uh, the, apparently the chess game was voiced by Adrian Barbeau. Oh, no uh, way. John Carpenter's wife at the time. Right on. The only woman that appears in the entire film. So he's he's having that drink. He gets interrupted. There's even a moment where he... Hands the well, he hands the bottle over to Bennings because Bennings gets shot. And uh, but you can see that sort of like he comes out of his shed with his bottle in his hand and he doesn't let go of the bottle for a very long time. Like he's like he wants that drink when the dogs get attacked. He's he hears it happening and he's like, oh, fuck. It's right as he's getting a beer out of the fridge. There's a there's a moment like so that's the whole plot of the thing is McCready can't have a drink. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's literally a moment where they're like, hey, we should probably go over and check Norwegians out. And he's like, I just want to go back up into my shed and get drunk. Like, that's literally what he says. And then at the end of the movie, he crawls out. Lone survivor. Everything's destroyed. Maybe hopefully the alien. Also, I'm going to die out here. And he's got a bottle and he's like, uh, well. This isn't how I wanted to have this sip, but here we go. And then he gets interrupted by the alien. And so he doesn't actually ever get that drink. He hands the bottle to him and shares it with him. Now, I think also if we want to get writerly weird about it, the movie's about distrust and about how distrust is their downfall. It's what destroys them. That's, I think that's kind of what he's laughing about at the end of the movie. It's like, it's the, on, the only time that there's any, like, he's literally at the table with the enemy, but there's peace because they're just 
they're just letting it all go and they're just having a drink and just spending time together. Mm-hmm. So like it's not that there's trust necessarily, but they do there's there's <laughs> it's not it's like the opposite of mutually assured destruction. I know you can't kill me, you know you you know I can't kill you, so we're just going to sit here and see what happens. I mean that's that's the real cold war. <laughs> yeah, well hey, I mean like they don't know what the Norwegians are up to. They're not very far away. The Norwegians have discovered the existence of life elsewhere in the galaxy and they don't know about it. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't trust each other. There's no communication. They don't speak the same language, sure, but I mean they're both probably up there doing the exact same scientific research. They're not sharing any of it. That's true. The scientist who's there is literally collecting papers and shit. Probably in hopes to figure out what happened, but also, like, I might be able to take some of their research for my yeah. own. There's no trust. If the fucking alien that was threatening the lives of every human being on the planet showed up, the only way we would be able to defeat it is if we all got on board, we all shook hands, we put aside our differences, and worked as a team. That's such a great point. I do want to bring it back, though. Yeah, I'm sorry. The only thing, <laughs> the only thing we definitively know about the final moments between McCready and Childs is that uh-huh. I think we're alone now. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be anyone around. <laughs> oh man, if you could if you could replace the bass line in that with like sampling just a dun dun from the thing, that would be so fucking rad. I have to say, though, that theory is really great because you don't see a lot of people talking about the fact that the Norwegians and the Americans don't communicate at all. Thinking about what the thing represents in a broader scope like that, that has to be correct. Which is also what makes me really sad that people weren't responding to this movie very well when it came out. Because, like, there's so much thought and effort put into it. But fuck that. Whatever. We're... we're... <laughs> We're not like a, we're not breaking down the prose and the literature of this. Kim, what was your favorite goopy special effect in the movie? This movie's got some fucking gross practical effects. What was your favorite? Hmm. I mean, my my gut instinct is to say the the defil, defib, mm, defibrillation scene. Hell yeah. Cut out all the instances where I didn't say that properly, please, John. Uh, the defibrillation scene. Because okay, uh, if you want me to cut any of this out, you need to just pretend none of it happened. Because you're you're putting a lot of eyebrows on defibrillation. People are gonna think you're nuts. Yeah, so that scene I think is my favorite, just because it's a surprise. It really, I think, counters our double feature discussion. It's the thing's answer to alien. Wow. So rather than bursting out of a chest, we cave in. Yeah. So that I think that's going to be my choice because it's like the ying to this up to last episode's yang. Wow. That's genius. My I think one of my favorite moments in this as well is that, but not not specifically for the chest cave in. It's when the head pulls itself <gasps> yes! off. Everybody talks about when it turns into the crab thing and crawls away. Yeah, which yeah that's is great. cool and all. It's so yeah, fun. That's fine. I love when he hides under the table and he's like, Womp with his weird <laughs> with little, his tongue? Yeah, yeah. With his like weird little lizard eye. Yes. Um but yeah, when it like stretches and drips off the table and lowers itself so quietly, fucking great. It's an it's insane what they accomplish in this movie, practical effects-wise. It's absolutely insane. It's, you know, it's unfortunately too gross to get an Academy Award, but, like, in the same way that, like, The Exorcist or an American Werewolf in London would get best practical effects, this movie should have as well, even though it's super gross. Like, I know that's exactly why it's it would have never even been considered for it, but what they can pull off still looks incredible in 2022. Well, apparently, Rob Bottin, the special effects artist who was only 21 at the time, yeah. can we fucking say that, he had double pneumonia and a bleeding ulcer because he oh, was boy. working like 24-7 on this. He had a team, I think, of like 36 people underneath him. The special effects ended up costing like $1.5 million, That's a lot. which was like double what they were originally. I think it was supposed to be like 700000 and well, it Fucking just, look at it, right? Yeah. And uh, there were a few scenes they had to fight for monsters because they were like, we need this fucking monster. We need this fucking monster. And... They look great. <laughs> yeah. 
we could talk for hours about this movie. We've pretty much only scratched the surface. We could do. We a, haven't solved anything. Not at all. We could do a two <laughs> or three parter and still not run out of things to talk about. Love this movie. So that you know, not bearing the lead here. That's that's what makes it a four out of four movie for me. Kim, what would you rate the thing? Oh yeah, total four out of four. It yeah. also helps that we are uh, facing a big snowstorm tonight. Yeah. Oh man, so we're getting was, like a foot and a half of snow tonight. So pretty. Pretty timely, if you ask me. I felt very themey watching it in my blanket with our blue mood light on. Well, I was if, very immersed. If the wind, if the wind starts howling, it really picks up. We should watch the Hateful Eight. It's another Kurt Russell movie, and they're stuck in the they're stuck in the haberdashery overnight because of a snow squall. I've actually elected that we're going to be watching the um, the 2011 thing Ooh. because I have not seen it, and I I mean everybody, you know, it's it's a very contested. I don't want to say remake because technically it's a prequel i think so yeah prequel remake pre-make yeah i'm almost positive it takes place on the norwegian camp which is very interesting i'm super stoked because i didn't really know anything about it and then we watched a trailer during the live stream that we did with the fiend club last week yeah and i was like what mary elizabeth weinstein's in this how come no one told me yeah if you guys haven't been to any of the live streams we put together pre-shows for every movie that we watch uh, you know fun little clips old trailers stuff to put you into the mood for that movie i usually like to try and theme it for for the year that the movie's been released. Like, I basically try and recreate the trailer reel you might have seen if you saw this movie uh, in the theater. And we'd love to have you on our next one. More info on the live streams, on all of the bonus content available to you as the member of the Nightmare on Film Street Fiend Club can be found at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. It's just a few bucks a month. You get to chat with your fellow fiends in your private own Discord channel. And we have tons and tons of bonus content available for you at the Fiend Club. And this little uh, end shout out is specifically for our Spotify listeners or people with Spotify on their phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Spotify has added a star rating for podcasts, something that they have they never had previously. Um, so if you are listening to us on Spotify or you have Spotify, if you can just pull up the Nightmare on Film Street podcast, give us a follow. And if you can give us a five star rating there, that would be absolutely fabulous. Uh, we don't have very many because it's brand new and we'd love to get the show up there in Spotify. I, I don't know how they they're going to be dealing with the metrics there, but I'm assuming it's going to it's going to help us grow there because previously I I don't know really how people discovered podcasts on Spotify. You just have to have really good search features, I guess. Uh, search keywords so yeah if you uh, are a Spotify listener Nightmare on Film Street follow five stars thank you so so much we'll be back at you again with another terrifying double feature but until then I'm Kim I'm John stay Stay creepy it appears you made it out alive but we'll get you next time Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.